0: You're listening to Two Guys Talking Wine with Michael Pincus and Andre Pru. Andre, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. Andre, yeah, really? Yeah. You know what? It's been so long since you and I have been on the mic together that uh, you know we're doing all <laughs> these interviews and stuff. You know that
1: I, I don't know if a lot of
0: people. It's odd, just just you and I.
1: A lot of people don't realize that talking to you normally on these podcasts is already fairly exhausting. But lining up those oh, lining up those oh. interviews is a lot of work. So I really hope people are enjoying them.
0: Oh, I'm telling you, <laughs> throwing the insults out, uh, out insults out uh, a little early.
1: We didn't even intro this and thing it's, yet.
0: <laughs> it's oh yeah, all right. Sorry, uh, I'm I'm Michael Pincus, the Grape Guy from MichaelPincusWineReview com, and with me, as always, Andre Prue from in my side. Yep,
1: <laughs> Andre Prue from andrewinereview.ca. Boy, I've missed these.
0: (laughs) Well, Andre, uh, what are you opening? Anything interesting?
1: Actually, I'm taking a bit of a break today. I'm getting over a head cold. And as much as I like a good glass of wine, I do have a bit of a policy where I do not taste wine um, if I'm sick. I just don't want to ruin it. I don't want to get half the effect. And when you're stuffed up, there's just no sense letting a good bottle go to waste. Oh,
0: well, uh, uh, I'm, I've am i opened up a Malivore 2007 Gamay. Oh. Just because. Cool. I, I just felt like Gamay, and, and Gamay it is.
1: 2007 a Although I was think hot I always summer. feel like Gamay.
0: I don't think I've ever said, I ah, know to a Gamay.
1: I know. You've been talking about a lot of Chardonnay lately, but I mean, I don't need to break your balls about that this time. Oh, for God's sake.
0: <laughs> I don't know where you think I'm talking Chardonnay. <laughs>
1: I get your You know I get what? Your um, we're getting close to the holidays,
0: aren't we? We are. And I thought, you know what? Um, Why don't we talk about gadgets and gizmos and books and gifts and things like that that people should be running out for their wine-loving friends and, you know, maybe put it on their own list of things that they may want to get? And, you what know,
1: do you I, I do love getting these questions every year. Um, because I've really made it no secret if anyone's been following me on social media of my absolute disdain for gadgets and gizmos. I mean, um, I
0: have been given such crap over the years by a, by well-meaning people.
1: Yes, you know what and, I mean? And I mean, that's it. People are well-meaning and I mean, it just comes down to the, the simple fact That uh, I'm gonna steal a quote from Alton Brown, who's one of my favorite uh, wine and food people. Shiny plastic objects are made for people who are attracted to shiny plastic objects, and essentially, if if you have, if I
0: get another bottle stop with a cork on top, if I get another, you know, metal bottle stop with a, you know, a a Santa Claus on top, I don't know what I'm gonna do with it.
1: I can think of one place you could put it to the person who gives it to you. Yeah, that's what I've thought, too. I once wrote an article about all the
0: gadgets and gizmos and stuff and how I hate them. And I got a lot of trouble, mostly from my family, who was the ones who gave it to me.
1: (laughs) No, that's fair enough. And you know what? I've I've actually softened my stance in years past. I've said if I get another corkscrew, I'm going to fucking kill someone. Um, But I've softened my stance on that because I have so many people who come to my house who aren't serious wine people. I love having extra corkscrews around to give away. So if anyone's giving me a corkscrew, it might become my new favorite. But don't get me anything too expensive because there's a good chance I'm going to pay it forward to someone who really needs it.
0: Yeah, no, I've I've paid a, a few corkscrews forward. I know I've done again, my brother because every time I go over to his house, I'm always searching for his corkscrew. And I finally went, you know what? Here's three more that uh, you can you can throw them in a few drawers so that I you know I don't have to look through seven drawers to find a uh, corkscrew.
1: I'm not a fan of wine charms.
0: Wine charms are annoying, but I can understand why some people like them. Although, um, wine markers are pretty interesting.
1: I was just going to say that. It's actually my new favorite thing, depending on your crowd – I mean, you can write something crazy on the wine glasses and it just wipes out. And yep. to be perfectly honest, it's less cumbersome than, oh, did I have the little, the little reindeer wine charm or did I have the Santa Claus? I can't remember. No, dude, yours is the one that says a-hole on it because you wrote a-hole yep. as your name earlier on in the night. Oh, cool, man. Jeez, I'm getting pretty vulgar on this. I must be like, I was, I was just thinking, yeah. you're just
0: throwing up the curse words <laughs> like everything. I'm anything.
1: sick. I'm getting over my sickness.
0: You know what, I, I found a few, you know what, I am not, a, I, I like you, I'm not a fan of the gadgets and gizmos. Yes. I will be 100% upfront about it. But, and you could probably play this podcast next year, and my list would not change. Okay. Because I, I have some tried and true gizmos that I've always been a fan of, and like one or two come onto the list and things drop off the list. Uh, but mostly I get a lot of crap, and I'm like, I don't need that.
1: Well, let's see. Um, there might be some judgment coming from my way because I'm pretty hard and fast on the on the gizmos as well. I actually haven't had any gizmos that I like, but the big one that people always bring up to me are the like the mini aerators, and I'm not going to throw a brand name out there because there is one brand. It comes with a giant stand. It takes a lot of space on your countertop. Yes,
0: I know which one you're talking about, and I'll be honest with you. I know exactly which one you're talking about. I used to like that one until it started to drip because it's got these holes on the side. It drips all over the place. Yeah, if you don't have the stand, you got to use two hands. There there's just a lot of trouble that can go with that one.
1: And you know what it is not a substitute for? A, a proper glass. decanter, just a nice glass decanter. They cost 40 or 50 bucks, which I'm if I'm not mistaken, costs about the same as this plastic gadget.
0: But I do like, I don't know if you've ever seen the one, the one that goes into the top of the bottle and can do it by the, by the glass, and you have your second-hand free. They're like a, a bottle-topping aerator. That one I
1: like. I still don't think it does much to the wine that a, de- a proper decanter wouldn't do.
0: Proper decanter, yes. But you know what? If you're like me, and you open a bottle of wine, and through the course of the night you're like, you know what? I wonder how this would be decanted and not decanted. I can pour myself a glass, try a little bit of it, put this little topper on, pour a little bit out and go, you know what? I like it better without or with the decanting part or the aerating part. So that that I use it for more of it as a test thing than I use it when company comes over. I never use it when company comes over. It's just, for, it's it's kind of for me.
1: Well, I'll tell you what, if one shows up under my tree from the grape guy, I'll give it a try before completely crapping on it.
0: That's awfully nice of you. <laughs> I didn't want to see it in your, in your pile of crap anyway. Speaking of decanters, I've always, people are always asking me what kind of decanter they should get. And you know what? Um, I really, I know it's gone up in price. I've actually uh, researched it a little bit before we started talking. Uh, but Riddell makes a Merlot decanter. That's what they call a Merlot decanter. And it's a, such a simple decanter. It used to be 20 bucks. I think it's now 35 but it's just if you, you can look it up at like Rose Hill Wine Cellars, and it's just called a Merlot decanter, and it is just the simplest decanter you'll ever. It, you just need that. You don't need the duck decanters and the ukulele shapes and the whole other thing. It's just such a simple decanter, and it's I I, I think it's perfect. I have
1: two of them. Well, I mean, as someone, and I mean, I'll, I'll I'll be honest. Like, I do appreciate the nicer things in life. I like a nice piece of art, but when you start looking at some of these decanters that are five and 600 bucks, you're almost looking at more of a piece of art than you are as as a tool for your house. But that being said, if anyone listening to this wants to give me a $500 decanter for Christmas, I will not complain,
0: but you'll never use it.
1: Oh, I would use the crap out of that.
0: Mm mm. No, no, I have a collection of like 10 decanters, and I use this Merlot decanter almost exclusively if I use a (laughs) decanter at all. Are
1: you just afraid to break the other ones?
0: Yeah, that's right. Okay. 100%. Afraid to – because, you know, then i got to put them in the dishwasher. I don't put them in the dishwasher. I wash them by hand. And some of them have such small openings, i got these meat hooks for hands. (laughs) There's no way. No way.
1: Okay. So once again, don't give it to Michael. Don't give it to Andre.
0: Give it (laughs) it to you. Do you know what I, I, I always like? Um, i don 't use it very often, but I think some people would are uh, champagne toppers
1: okay, okay,
0: you know what i 'm talking about the things with the uh, the clips on the side, and they hold on to the bottle yeah i don 't know how many people I, I, I have heard from that you know it's just stick a regular cork in a bottle of uh, sh- uh, sparkling wine or champagne, and then they go, uh, and then you know we 're sitting around and suddenly the, por- the the cork will pop off. Well, of course, the cork pops off it 's pressurized.
1: And Shardies. actually, Hinterland sells them for $11, and it's got the nice logo on it, Hinterland in Prince Edward County. Yeah, Thank and I, I think you can pick them up pretty much anyway. But, uh, but if you want to get something branded, branded and local, like hinterlandwine.com, and, I mean, why not support Vicky and Jonas?
0: Yeah, that'd be good. Yeah, I li- But I like those things. I, that's one thing. As I said, I have two of them. Never use them because the bottle is gone, usually gone before I can and top it. But some people like to, to top it and wait for some other friends to show up and stuff like that. And and, and, you know, and I, I think that's a good thing.
1: So when it comes to gadgets for me, I've got my eye on uh, one particular item now that I have a bit of a growing collection. And it's not cheap. But I have a friend who got one for Christmas last year.
0: Right, okay. And it's a I'm lot listening. of fun. I'm listening.
1: It's the Coravin.
0: Oh, I knew you were going to go with that. I knew it.
1: I mean, if you have a growing wine collection, it's a great way to kind of keep tabs on what you have. Um, It's a device that you can clip to the top of your bottle without technically opening it. It puts a tiny little hole in the cork. Cork. You can't use it with screw caps, unfortunately. Uh, And it'll let you take a small taste out of what's in the bottle. And actually, if you go to Archive Wine Bar in Toronto, uh, it's the reason why Josh has such a, a diverse by the glass wine list is he uses a Coravin to actually go th- by the glass with some of his higher end wines without actually having to open the bottles.
0: And then and then it puts some gas in so that it, it's an inert gas that it covers it so that that
1: it keeps the wine you would
0: know, go, go back a year later and taste it again. Right.
1: Yeah. it Keeps the wine intact. So, so I mean, they run, I think, about three hundred and fifty bucks.
0: Yeah, you know what? Once I, 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 I would rather just open the bottle and enjoy it. If I have to use a decanter, a big glass. If it's, if it's old, it's old. If it's, if it's too young, I can wait a bit in glass or use the decanter. Coravin to me.
1: But what about the wines that's... that are border- Like, What about for someone like me that doesn't have 2,000 bottles kicking around in, in, a, in a collection and I maybe have a few bottles I'm waiting for a, the right occasion and I'm not sure if the wine's ready? Oh, shoot. Oh, it's 400- Andre, you
0: know yourself. You're popping that cork no matter what. you got friends over. You're popping corks. <laughs> you're drinking wine. You're not going to care.
1: Okay, that you're really be true.
0: You're, that's one of those gadgets you're going to use once or twice and go, you know what? I'm just opening the bottle.
1: Costs I'm, and I'm $500. talking for,
0: you know, a personal thing. I, I, I can see the commercial use at uh, a place like Archive, but yes. for my own personal use, no, I don't see it.
1: Once again, if you have one to give, you can send <laughs> one to Andre and not to Michael. Wow. <laughs>
0: well, you're taking all my gifts this year. <laughs>
1: Well, I think there's one thing we both... You ever
0: ever used a Govino glass? You know what I'm talking about? I
1: have not. I have not used a Govino glass. Those
0: are those plastic glasses uh, that look like, uh, I guess, an O-glass. Okay. With that thumb. You've never used one?
1: I have. I actually have a cupboard full of them. I'm actually... I'm not a fan of, like, the the fancy glass, uh, stemless glasses, but I do like these plastic glasses. They're good for summer drinking.
0: You ever put them in the dishwasher?
1: Uh, I don't have a dishwasher.
0: Oh, okay. Well, if you put them in the dishwasher, normally they uh, they turn basically into a puddle of mush. Okay. Uh, so don't do it. But I understand that uh, the Govino company has now come up with a dishwasher safe version.
1: Yeah, I see that. It's right on the top of their website. They're all dishwasher safe listed now.
0: Yeah. So I have ruined more of those glasses by thru- throwing them in the dishwasher. I, th- I think I threw like uh, five or six in once and they came out looking like eggs. Oh, that's so, funny. Uh, you know what? And uh, I, I have always been a big fan of, uh, of Schatz Wiesel Stemware. Yes. That has been my, uh, my thing. But the other day, I saw this, uh, this glassware that's out of, out of Thailand, if I'm not mistaken, and they use German technology, and it was called Lucaris. And they were hammering at this, and uh, I, I saw a 19-second video where they just kept flipping and t- tipping this glass. And it is made of uh, crystal, but it's unbelievably durable. So if you've got somebody like I do in my family, my one of my nieces has broken tons of stemware. I keep getting them for my sister-in-law, and uh, I understand her daughter breaks them. Uh, this lucarist crystal may be the answer.
1: And to be perfectly honest, for people who love wine... Um, there really is nothing wrong with just getting nice wine glasses. Wine glasses don't last infinitely, even if you take really good care of them. I've broken probably 15 burgundy glasses this year.
0: Oh, oh yeah, but a, but a good, durable crystal glass? Now, that's, that's, that's worth its weight in gold. As I said, I, I, I like Schatzwiesel because I, I, I like their durability and in, in the dishwasher factor. But this Lucaris, I thought, was even stronger because yes. I would never do half the things that they were showing me with this crystal and I was like all right maybe maybe that's the one for the clumsy amongst us
1: and, and that being it's... said if you're not so clumsy and a little bit wealthy I'm a big fan of the Zalto stemware that was the oh yeah age those Christmas are beautiful glasses year. but they feel so light and thin in your hand you feel like you're going to break them
0: Oh, I, I do. I I I have used them once or twice, and I, every time I use them, I'm like, I am so afraid of this glass. I'm gonna snap it like a twig. But it is such a beautiful glass.
1: Well, now I know one thing we're definitely gonna agree on as well is uh, there's some interesting books that are out. There here. are, but
0: I got one more gadget. Okay, one we're going more to gadget. gadget. Okay, and and it's called a Savino Sorvino. That's Mira. But a sovino, And what it is, it's basically like a thermos. And it's got a, a topper that goes on it. And you pour the bottle of wine in it. The topper goes on. You can pour through the topper. But it but it, see, it, it it floats on top of the wine and creates a seal within the thermos. So if you're one of these people that doesn't finish a bottle of wine in an evening, it'll hold, they say, for five to seven days. Because it, it totally removes uh, the air. Now, I haven't tried it myself, but I'm telling you, it does look kind of cool. Cool. Kind of cool. It's called a Savino. So for your friends that don't finish wine in an evening, which I, I never understand, people always ask me, they go, what do I do with leftover wine? Uh, get more friends. But besides <laughs> that, um, yeah, if you've got leftover wine, that, that would probably be your thing. Well, there we go. Yeah, there you go. That's my, that's my gadget list. I had six on my list this year.
1: I think I just had one. Um, that would be the Coravin.
0: Yeah, but that's an expensive gadget. Most of these things are relatively inexpensive. Or you
1: know what? Yeah. I'd take a nice wine fridge, too. I know no, in, your, in your house... you just got one this year. Yeah, you just got a new one it? this
0: year. The other one packed it in.
1: I don't quite have room for the cellar that you have, but I'm sure I could make room for a medium-sized wine fridge in this apartment if I had to.
0: Yeah, I've got ai got a 38-bottle wine fridge, and I put some interesting stuff in there. And, and now... We moved it from the basement to upstairs, and the wine is always available. There you go. So that's what you want. All right. So you want to talk books now? Books are always, uh, you know, a wealth of knowledge. Some more fun than others, obviously. So what do you got? What's your first book on your list?
1: Um, the first book I have on my list is a very small one that is flying under the right radar, and it's written by Christina Brooks called "To Build a Vineyard." And it is the story of Back 10 Cellars.
0: Oh, you're a big fan of Back 10.
1: I'm a big fan of Back 10. I, I really like Andrew and, and Christina. Uh, I'm absolutely convinced that uh, their Chardonnay, their, um, their start from scratch Chardonnay is one of the best white wines in the province.
0: And and they're quite a prolific book writing family because I think Andrew's written himself a book too about the wineries of Niagara.
1: Yeah, And I'm actually not familiar with that book, but I'm sure it's good too.
0: <laughs> are they, are, or maybe they both wrote it. I'm not sure. I thought I saw it when I was at Rife once. Alright. No, so neither one of us know much about it. I no just we don't. I know, I I saw I know it.
1: that this one, this one is new and it's in a nice package and you can buy it at Back 10 Sellers. And I know I've seen it at a couple of other places in Niagara as well. Interesting.
0: Alright. To build Is that like um, Jeff Heinrich's uh, Fool in 40 Acres?
1: I'm not familiar with that book. But it that sounds like it could be similar. I, I think it
0: was Jeff Heinrich that wrote that, and uh, he wrote it about um, about uh, Prince Edward County, "A Fool in Forty Acres." So there. Now you're going to make me go over to the bookshelf and take a look, but uh, I don't want I don't want to get off the mic because I, I have a feeling you'll make fun of me while I'm gone. So
1: I, I can hold on. No, no,
0: I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> I probably couldn't find it anyway if I looked for it.
1: And a an fool in forty acres.
0: Look park? it up. It's probably on Amazon somewhere. A fool in forty acres. You're looking it up right now, aren't you?
1: Actually, I'm looking at another book uh, that's getting a bit of a, a buzz about it, especially in the the city these days, is uh, John Sabo has written a book.
0: Oh, yes. John's written something about volcanic soils and volcanic wines, correct?
1: Yeah, the book is called Volcanic Wines, Salt, Grit, and Power.
0: Yeah. It's more of a geek's book from what I understand, though, is it not?
1: Um. I mean, it looks like it's a it's a really nice coffee table book. There's a lot yeah, of really cool. Yeah, that's
0: what it is. I, I I know it's 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 got a a good price tag to it, but I understand. You know, John is very knowledgeable on what he's doing, and now he is the uh, foremost authority on volcanic soil and volcanic wine.
1: And it's it, it's interesting because I'm I'm thumbing through the book, and the photography is just gorgeous in it.
0: I had no idea you had the book.
1: Um, it's right in front of me. Well, look at you.
0: Isn't that sweet? (laughs) So you're talking about recent books. Um, I can go back. Like people who want to look at things that are like tried and true. Uh, If you're interested in a really great story, Benjamin Wallace's The Billionaire's Vinegar. Okay. You ever read that one?
1: No, I have not. Did you read that one? I did not. Oh,
0: that one's pretty good. It's about uh, fake bottles of wine. And it's a true story based on a true story.
1: Is this about the counterfeiting and, and stuff happening in uh, in China these days? The,
0: ca- the counterfeiting of wines, yes, and, and a lawsuit that was coming up. I, I believe the Koch brothers had something to do with it. but um, Yeah, I read that a long time ago, but it's still one of those books that I always have on my list of people say, hey, you got a good wine book, and I said, yeah, this one tells a great story, but it's true. So, well, there we go. Speaking of more true stories, The Judgment of Paris, obviously, by George... M. Tabor, as we come on to the, I think, 40th anniversary of that, 1976, yep. Judgment of Paris.
1: Yep, that's correct. Well, I guess the and, 40th that anniversary is kind of coming gone. We're already looking to yes. 2017.
0: Yeah, we we'll are looking at, at 2017, but that's a great, that's a great book. Uh, Tabor's written some other stuff uh, over the years, but nothing I think uh, uh, really comes close to the Judgment of Paris. He wrote one called The Cork or Not The Cork. And then, you know, he it's really interesting. He tells you all these stories and all these studies about corks and screw caps and plastic corks and blah, blah, blah. And then right at the end chapter where he's about to tell you his opinion on, or you think he's going to tell you his opinion on, you know, whether he thinks cork or screw cap, he kind of, he kind of sucks out and doesn't, doesn't give you the answer.
1: That book so, sounds
0: quite boring. You know what? Great book up until that point. Like. <laughs> All the stories that are told in it are great and true story, but you get to that last chapter, and you okay, so what does he think?
1: Cork or screw cap
0: uh, and then he's like, ah, it's up to the winemaker
1: Well, I think on that note, we spent some time talking about gadgets yeah we talked about books
0: well i I would also recommend people who are interested in Robert Mondavi, The House of Mondavi is a great book. I think we' got a lot of interesting you know wine what books I
1: think we here. could go on and on, but
0: All right, I got two more then. Okay. Three more. Uh, And one has got a local tinge to it. Okay. Uh, Larry Horn's Besotted, My Love Affair with Wine. Larry Horn is one of the founders of uh, Calamus.
1: And that's something, I didn't know he was connected to Calamus, but that's definitely, I haven't had a chance to go through the book yet, but it's on my things to do in the next week or so, because um, I mean, as with anyone who's been listening to this podcast, we've been trying to keep track of, the origin story so it's nice to see these books that are help telling the origin stories of the individual wineries
0: yeah it's it's re- uh, Larry's story is pretty interesting uh, I, I wrote about it in one of my newsletters and uh, you know he tells it's a it's a thin book like it's a small book it's only uh, hundred pages or something like that 78 pages but uh, I mean uh, especially if you're you're familiar with the Ontario wine industry he does bring up a lot of people that uh, that you you would know so it's it's pretty interesting. Um, going into California, Karen McNeil's The Wine Bible. Uh, she's written a new version, second edition. Uh, I've met Karen McNeil. Uh, it's a very, it's a very good book, very hefty book, but it's, you know, it's, it's a, it's, it's, it's not your, um, you know, easy, easy going book, but I mean, there's a lot of information in there. Uh, Wine and War, if you're ever interested in, um... Nazi Germany and wine sounds like a very odd pairing, but it's how the French hid their wine from the, uh, from the Nazis. It's really kind of interesting.
1: No, that is an interesting story.
0: Yeah. And then finally, my favorite movie, uh, about wine, which was sideways, uh, Rex Pickett's book is, you know, just as fun as the movie is, if not more. Interesting. I seem to read a lot more than you do.
1: You do read a lot more than me. I yeah. do enough reading at work.
0: Oh, that's what your excuse is?
1: It absolutely is.
0: If it's if it's not on Twitter and Facebook, you're uh you're not you're not reading it?
1: <laughs> no, I read the news.
0: Oh, all right. <laughs> From Jesus. Twitter and Facebook.
1: Jesus Michael.
0: <laughs> you get your news like Trump does.
1: Oh god. <laughs> you know by the time this podcast is released, it'll be like a month until his inauguration. Yeah, I know. Isn't that? Terrifying? I know, and I'm just
0: remembering when we talked to Donald Geraldo, and uh, we just, you know, sat here and went, "Go Trump," and we all laughed. Now who's laughing?
1: <laughs> you know what? I think we should wrap this one up.
0: All right, that's on a sad note, I guess. But uh, yeah, we'll wrap this up. So uh, uh, we've given you gadgets, we've given you gizmos, we've given you books for your wine-loving friends, for yourself. Put them on your list. Put them on your friends' lists. Get them out there. Uh, you know what, next time maybe we'll tell you some great wines.
1: And don't buy the stupid thing with the stand that makes the noise. You know which what I'm talking about.
0: Don't buy the what?
1: Don't buy the stupid gizmo with the stand that makes the noise when you pour the wine into it that I didn't want to Oh, name. the gurgly noise. Yes. The gurgly-wurgly. Yes. <laughs> buy a property canter instead.
0: All right, that's that's some good advice. I would probably tell you that. The one that sticks in the top of the bottle is kind of fun, but the gurgly-wurgly one, not so much.
1: I'm Andre Pru from AndreWineReview.ca.
0: And I'm Michael Pincus from MichaelPincusWineReview.com.
1: And you can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes if you haven't done so already. Definitely leave a review if you haven't done so already. And, Michael? Good night. Thanks for listening. Please subscribe to Two Guys Talking Wine on iTunes.